Hello, and welcome to our first special episode of the Sim Sundays podcast. So these are our special episodes. They're audio only, so they'll be on Google, Spotify, um, and Apple Podcasts. And they allow us to spend a little bit more time deep diving into conversation with our guests. So we're not racing in this one. There's going to be no, no stream uh, halfway. So ordinarily on, on our YouTube stream, 8 p.m. every Sunday, uh, we would have the guests race with us. But not today. Today, we're going to dive deep into conversation. And I've got to say, we've got the perfect guest for our first Sim Sunday special episode. I'm joined today by an entrepreneur, motorsport fan, and founder and CEO of Track Racer. Now, you probably know Track Racer for their sim racing rigs and notably their partnership with the Alpine F1 team, like the actual F1 team. But they also create flight simulators and are partnered with a little known company called Airbus. So they're doing pretty well. So I'm delighted to welcome onto our first episode of the Sim Sundays podcast, Matt Sten. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for having me. No worries. Um, we've been speaking for a little while now about various different things. And I remember one of our first conversations, it felt almost like a, like a mentor relation relationship. We were trying to, we were trying to do some stuff together, but you've been through this before, right? You started track racer in 2008. So, you know, tough times to be starting businesses, um, and have built it up to what you're, uh, to what you're at now. So it's incredibly impressive. So I'd like to deep dive into that journey if that's okay. Yeah, go for it. All right. So track race started in 2008. And if I understand correctly, you were the assistant marketing manager at Honda Australia. So what happened when you were working at Honda Australia as assistant marketing manager to make you go, you know what, I'm going to start my own company called track racer. <laughs> well, it was actually started, uh, I started a car electronics business, which is still around. Um, and that was basically just uh, rebranding products uh, from Asia. Uh, but it, it didn't really give me a lot of fulfillment. Um, and then I was online and uh, I noticed these racing simulators, which back then there weren't that many players. And I thought, great concept, but terrible execution. I can do better. So I designed up the uh, Track Racer RS8, which you know at the time it was, it was perfect. Uh, there weren't that many pedals around. There was... Uh, Logitech pedals and, and a few others. Eventually, the market uh, changed in regards to uh, what was on offer. Pedals got bigger, um, uh, wheelbases got got stronger, and we eventually had to um, add some other models uh, to the range. Um, and one of them was uh, the TR8, which has gone through a few improvements now. Okay, so take us take us back before that. So before you decided that you, you know you were going to build your own um sim racing rigs had you been sim racing before were you just a motorsports fan like take us back to the first time that you kind of engaged with sim racing generally i'd probably be with a uh a gran turismo i would say um but to be honest it was more uh it was more the 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 concept uh of of the simulator that i loved as opposed to um you know the sim racing itself at that time so I love design. My background's in marketing. Um, and for me, like Track Racer was always a passion, a passion project um, until it sort of blew up in 2020. But before that, it was uh, my other business was kind of floating uh, my dreams of, you know, designing my own product and seeing it in the hands of people that raved about it. That's what, what kept me going. That's cool. And the, the flight simulators then must have come shortly after, 
the brand is called Track Racer, right? So you started with sim racing because you loved the concept. That that's interesting. Rather than being a sim racer who's like loving loving racing and wanting to recreate it, so I, I love this kind of design idea of being able to strap yourself in and immerse yourself. What what led you to then think you know we could do this for for flight simulation as well? We've we've had for a few years uh, flight sim mounts, um, and for a while they were only uh, they were only mounting up with with the uh, honeycomb and um, which is a, a a clamping system, and also the Thrustmaster Hotus, um, and and gradually like especially with the Microsoft flight um, that that came out a couple of years ago, that's when it really took off. Um, it's still very very niche. It's nowhere near sim racing, and I still consider sim racing to be a niche. Uh, but but it's heading there, and which is why we locked in Airbus. Uh, we do have a flight sim um, specific rig that we are uh, currently working on. We've got we've already prototyped it. Uh, we hope to show that at the Sim Racing Expo in December. Oh, nice! I'll be excited to see that. I like a lot of people have just watched uh, Top Gun Two, so <laughs> one of the first things I did after I came out of the cinema was like, oh, I wonder how easy it would be to convert a sim rig into a. Uh, into a flight simulator and then load up uh, defense combat simulator. You must have seen the like the numbers have boomed on defense combat simulator since uh, since Top Gun Two came out. So, are you expecting a bit of a bit of a high growth period there? I think it'll be um, well, not as quick as uh, sim racing. Um, I would I imagine that a lot of people in flight sims um, are just using their desk. So we hope that you know an affordable flight simulator cockpit. Uh, will you know drop that barrier to entry for those guys uh but it is it it is very simple like we you know at the moment we have flight simulators on our website they're not airbus branded however they are just um the the racing rig with flight sim mounts included so essentially you get a racing rig with flight sim mounts um so you have the you know the luxury of having both right yeah that, i mean that would be cool having having the ability to switch between one and the other is um that's a big that's a big draw and i suppose i suppose with track racer and the products that you're designing the most prominent element has to be the ergonomics right so humans are sitting in these products they're sitting inside and they're using it and they're they're they've got tools that are strapped to the product which they're also interacting with so tell us about the design process it must be a huge amount of trial and error well with the uh the new alpine racing trx <laughs> that's a completely different beast we've uh we've reinvented the the sim there um as opposed to um you know our other products which is which have just basically evolved so i learned a long 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 time ago um that uh rigidity comes first um so which is something that you know other brands may not get uh but for me it's paramount um regardless of if you're um you're jumping into our entry level rig or high-end rig uh rigidity is is number one because you know all these guys there uh, a lot of a lot of sim racers, um, well, they may not um, advance past uh, your basic entry level, or or they, you know, the sky's the limit now. It's uh, it's amazing. It's a great industry to be in. I love it. Yeah, and I suppose sim racers and, and gamers generally, they have high standards as customers, right? You know, then the, you have to you have to really <laughs> please them because if, if 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 there's a if there's a little niggle or something they're not particularly happy with, especially when it comes to quality, and you're saying about rigidity being so important. That is the first thing that they will paste all over Reddit if they're, if they're not yes. happy with a product. And normally your countrymen. <laughs> 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 they're the most critical, but they're the ones that also, um, 
you know, push us to uh, uh, to make an unbeatable product. Is that um, true? Is it well, really? You guys are the, is you it guys really? are the toughest. <laughs> you guys are the toughest critics. Oh no, I, <laughs> I would not have guessed that. I wonder why that is. Let's not. Let's not. Let's not dive into that. Oh, look, I think it's just um, you guys. You guys have high standards. Um, you don't mind uh, paying a premium, but you also have high standards, and that's that's what we you know we we want to aspire to to be um, great value for money and to have um, high standard quality products. That's interesting. And having your products in Britain is something I want to get to. I, I want to go back before. I mean, you mentioned the Alpine simulator, right? So I definitely want to dive into that and ask you about a million questions about what it's like to be anywhere near the Alpine F1 team. But I'm just going to hold myself back for a second because I want to go back to the point where this was your passion project and you were building simulators and then you were selling them presumably first in Australia and then you would export them. I want to know a little bit about that that early process what what was it like what was it like being you know creating a company from from scratch and you know like, like any founder knows you have to do the marketing the design the accounts you know everything you, you're you're kind of head of every department to talk tell us about it we, we've got a pretty uh pretty large team at the moment but yeah um in the beginning it was just uh you know having having good partners um and yeah, like in the in the early days, uh, I think the first the first track racer rig order was to Australia, and it was about fifty units, um, and and it, it just just kind of grew from there. Where you know we're now doing, um, you know, on a bad month we're doing a thousand rigs a month. So, um, and you know, first we we started on well, I started on uh, eBay in Australia, um, and then the the next country was uh uk uh so i got some rigs over in uk um and then it was like uh netherlands so we actually we have one of our three offices in netherlands um uh, also a warehouse there uh us we're also we also warehouse in spain middle east new zealand um and the list is growing uh it's more about um having because they're such heavy products it's it's more about um, localizing these products uh, to 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 become um, uh, well, I guess, uh, reduce the shipping and become more competitive. So, where did your experience in all this come from? How did you learn to do this? Right. So, so to a lot of people, I expect they wouldn't have the first clue how to set up a warehouse in another country where they don't understand the laws or the tax system or anything like that, and. And, you know, if you want to start shipping your, your product out in another country, you have to go through that process. What was that like for you? How did you approach it? Uh, well, <laughs> good partners. So, you know, we've got great accountants, great, um, great attorneys, um, you know, uh, great uh, freight forwarding, great freight forwarders. Uh, the, you know, the warehouse process, it's, it's a big, it's, it's trial and error. Um, so in the US, uh, we've, we've, it's been it's been an absolute struggle, um, which is why I've just moved to Austin, Texas. Uh, we, I, I, it's an important market for us, and we need to set it up right. Uh, so we've been through a few warehouses there. They, you know, tend to let us down. Um, the next step for us is is probably to look at our own uh, warehouse. Uh, Netherlands, same story. We're we're now in a great. We've got a great partner there. Australia, same story. But we've been with these guys for probably near on a decade. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just trial and error. 
uh, and taking taking a punt uh, that you know trusting my own instincts that okay um, worst case uh, we'll, we'll we'll sell out sell sell the container and and move on and I've made mistakes so uh, you know Dubai is is a really complicated market um, it's yeah it's it's got its challenges uh, but then um, other other countries have have nailed it so. You said earlier that up until 2020, this was a side project. But, you know, I'd, I'd heard of Track Racer before 2020. I think most people listening to this podcast who are serious sim racers will have heard of Track Racer before 2020. How do you achieve all of that as a side hustle? <laughs> well, the, uh, the car electronics business was doing well enough that um, I was able to put profits from that into Track Racer. So into the uh, uh, R&D and also into the marketing um, and it's a gradual thing. So, you know, in the, in the last, uh, two years, you've seen so many sim, sim rig companies come and, and a lot of them have, a lot of them go, uh, it does take time and, and it's not, it's not the Holy grail as a lot of people may think. Uh, yes. Um, it's, it's not complicated to cut aluminium. Um, but aluminium is not our, our core business. Um, but even when you do look at aluminium, we, uh, we have strengths in um, manufacturing and and um, efficient manufacturing. So we're able to produce and or develop, design, produce uh, our our patented um, mounts that others can't can't match because others are are uh, using CNC cutters, whereas we're you know we're investing in in tooling and molds. So um, that that is where our advan- advantage lies. And 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 there's not. A lot of these companies, startup companies, they they don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars to invest in single products. Mm, well, it sounds like you're kind of you embody the the old adage, right? Of um, don't do what you can outsource. And I suppose to build a company that's going to scale um, and that's going to reach customers all around the world, the longer you hang on and try and do everything yourself, the harder that's going to be, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm still learning. What would you say is the the toughest lesson you've learned on your track racer journey? Well, probably just what you touched on, like uh, let go, <laughs> be you know, like uh, um, have trust in your team and just be able to let go of some tasks. So I am I'm I, I I'm get you know by in a lot of people's eyes, I've got there. Um, I think that there's still a long way to go. So you know, I, I currently manage a lot of the social medias. Um, we we've just. Uh, assigned a marketing person to do that. Um, we've got several. We've got over twenty staff now uh, globally. Um, so, but I just I, it's it's a part of the business I like doing. Um, helping customers is also a part of the business I like doing. Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of time for that. With um, you know, part um, working on partnerships and and new products. Uh, but I do. We've got a track racer owners group in in fa- on Facebook, um, and I'm constantly jumping in there and chatting with customers it's a great way for, for me to learn um what can be improved within the uh the business and our products um and and that's why we you know we'll, we'll constantly make these little adjustments um that are from customer feedback whereas other brands usually um you might say set and forget um and run and run the same product for years right and customers get that right so customers customers will especially sim racers they will see the value of going onto the Facebook group and saying, 
Has anyone had this problem with this particular shifter on the TR8? Has anybody worked out how to get it to fit or whatever? Getting a response from Matt Sten, owner of Track Racer, they're going to know that. They're going to they're going to straight away notice. Okay, this is the company taking an interest in my very niche issue with this product, so that they can learn how to how to fix it or how to give me some advice to, to make it better. Right. So you must have had quite a lot quite a lot of interactions with your with your customers that have ended up with a very happy customer. Oh, they love it. Um, and I like it as well. It's, it's not like it's, I don't, I don't see helping customers as, as a chore. Actually, I, I like pleasing customers. So if a customer is happy, I'm, I'm stoked. Um, and, and, and the amount of praise that I, I get on, on that owner's group, and it's not why I do it. Um, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's flattering. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's something that I think sometimes I think I'm guilty of on grid finders. I, you know, we have a discord group, we've got, I think there's like 1,500 um, league owners on there. And I try and talk to them all the time about what they want to see from Gridfinder, what's annoying them the most right now about you know F1 2021 and the bugs and, and how we can get around that or, or what we can do to help. And it is tough when you have so much going on to to constantly have that discipline of going back and, and talking to the customers. There's a theory that your first 1,000 customers are the most important, right? So the first 1,000 people who kind of buy into your your concept and your vision and your product you need to really understand what it is that they do and don't like about your 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 product. I couldn't agree more. Um, and we've got our fair share of haters out there, uh, but we're you know with the with the volume that we're doing, um, unfortunately, uh, the unhappy ones are the loudest ones. Um, but we've you know, it's a very small percentage of our overall um, business uh, that we we have unhappy customers, but they're still there. Um, and unfortunately, work we we. We we do our, we're doing our best to um, to be a perfect company, but unfortunately, it's it's not always possible. And and how do you cope with that? Because you know, I have personal experience of this when I'll see something online. Fortunately, not to blow my own trumpet, but it's only happened once or twice. But I'll see somebody comment, and in the early days, it, we had an issue with uh, broken links, right? So you'd go on and you'd try and find your league, and then you'd find one, but then the person who had uploaded the league had put on a link that had now expired right and there was we hadn't found a way around it so i would get i would see comments from people saying um don't use gridfinder there's nothing on gridfinder and all the links are broken now when you've spent every well to start with every evening and every weekend it's like it's like a knife to the heart and you know, yeah, there's somebody is. in their bedroom commenting this, and then a second later they've scrolled onto something else and completely forgotten that they'd ever, ever written it. But I'm sat there, you know, in my kitchen, like tears rolling down my face, thinking, "Oh God, this is it. I, this is it. The, the 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 dream is over." How how have you dealt with with that? I I still grapple with it, mate. It's um because I do take it personally, um, and uh because I I. I you know, obviously I'm biased, but I think we have the best designed products in the business. Um, we're, con- we're evolving and, and investing more into R&D, but sometimes we get it wrong. Um, in 2020, when uh, when demand for us spiked 400%, uh, we, it was all over the internet. Um, we had delays. We, we just moved into uh, aluminium profile rigs. So, you know, we, we had a lot to learn about, you know, the 500 pieces that go in there and making sure that that's spot on and... Uh, the way that uh, couriers are going to um, dump these, you know, heavy profile beams off off their trucks two meters high, uh, which is going to cause damage. Uh, so, 
yeah, that was it was a horrible year. We ha- you know we had um, staff with developmental pro- mental illness issues, uh, staff walk out, um, customers were not all that. Some customers were not all that understanding. Um, however, I think from that twenty twenty. Uh, customers have readjusted their expectations, which is great. Um, unfortunately, it's it's companies like Amazon Prime that where in the US they'll you know could get it same day or next day, uh, and and that's really trained people to um, to have those high expectations. Right. And what was your, if you don't mind me asking, your personal situation during COVID? Were you were you trying to coordinate all of this from like your kitchen or your spare room or like what was it like? Oh no, we've. I've, we've been in office for um, yeah well over ten years, um, and I had staff back then. Um, but I yeah I, there was a lot of um, late nights. There was uh, because the challenge for us was um, you know China China had their Chinese New Year um, and then locked down for a couple of months. So you know whilst we we expected an order to finish just before Chinese New Year in ship, we had a delay. Uh, and then um, Chinese New Year, and then another two months, uh, and then of course we, you know, we had uh, a lot of issues with shipping. So um, in the LA port, uh, I'm not sure if you're aware, but uh, there were two, three month um, delays uh, just through there. So, so we've had to, uh, and and fortunately we have a um, an amazing logistics manager within the company. Uh, she she's able to, um, uh, you know, work within. All these uh, all these delays, uh, and and now we're finally at a point where um, where we're you know we don't have a lot of stockouts. We uh, we're um, we're correctly um, marking items like in and out of stock because we've just invested in a you know this big ERP system, um, which is linked to all our warehouses and yeah, it's it's just um, evolution. But we got there. But it was yeah, it was horrible. Right. It was horrible in twenty uh, twenty. Yeah, I bet. There's a lot of moving parts there to have to coordinate with delays when a lot of people are out of work, out of office, you know, working yes. from home. <laughs> I can imagine that was kind of the perfect storm for a company that relies on logistics as much as yours. Yeah. Well, look, there's a silver lining. Um, it's it, it it made people take sim racing seriously uh, with, with the pivot from, um, you know, not pivot, but um, the move from F1, um, NASCAR, supercars into um, E series, so um, yeah, it's been it's been good for for me and you, Tom. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I, I think sim racing companies that have come through the other side have definitely um, seen a, a benefit. Um, you mentioned esports and esports tournaments. There, how much of your time is split between kind of drumming up business? B2C, so yourself to, to to customers, people who are buying it for themselves, and then trying to partner with esports series to get, you know, rigs on stages or in sim sports centers. You know, how what's the what's the what's the balance there? Well I I don't give enough time to that. Um we we have a uh, an amazing BDM um business development manager who um has that assigned to him, but uh right now we're working through a few other challenges before we can um uh before we really delve into that, I am in San Antonio at the moment, uh, here to visit a, a very large stadium uh, to talk rigs. Um, that was courtesy of uh, our partners at uh, the Alpine F1 team, who um, are working with this uh, particular stadium, and um, gave us the introduction. So this this will be um, 
<laughs> things are going to uh, snowball from here, I think. Yeah. So before we had this, um, before we started this, recording this podcast, we had a little bit of a chat and, and I kind of went through broadly what the questions were. And obviously I said that I was going to speak about um, the Alpine F1 partnership. And obviously I want to know everything about it. I had hundreds of questions written down here about Alpine F1 because I'm a fanboy a little bit. I'm a massive fan of, of Alpine. Um, but then I felt a little bit shown up because you asked me a question um, which I hadn't had on the list, which is probably the best of them all. Um, and I suppose that comes from the insight you have. Um, so I'm going to start with that question. So most people will know that you partnered with the Alpine F1 team and you've got Track Racer, the logo on the F1 car, which is must be a bit of a dream. But how involved were they in the design process for the product that you've brought out under that partnership? We started designing the rig uh, in... 20, November, November 2020, around there, um, which is when we formed the partnership with Alpine. Um, we we spent, they, they actually uh, invested a lot of time into um, helping us improve that rig. Uh, they had Esteban Ocon um, give his thoughts and, and other uh, Alpine Academy drivers. Uh, they, they've assisted a lot in, in the ergonomics of the seat. Um, and the seat is is a um an innovation in itself so that's our uh our experience is mostly in fabrication um however the seats are we're we're really we're creating something something interesting here which is which is why we had to push back the the delivery date uh but but yeah alpine f1 engineers have have been um amazing we wouldn't have uh a product of this caliber um coming without without their help Right. Did you ever find yourself when you were talking to these guys and they were giving engineering insights into your product? Did you ever take a step back and think, wow, there's an F1 engineer here who works, <laughs> who works in the F1 Alpine team, giving me advice on my, on my product? Unfortunately, stopping the smell of the flowers isn't, isn't uh, a strength of mine. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you just, I just keep going, but it is, it's ama- an amazing feat. Like, um, you know, like these these guys, these um, incredible minds, and and the and the car this year is is bloody fast. Uh, the one the guys that have put that together, are helping on our on on a track racer product that's going to end up in our customers' hands. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's amazing. Yeah, well, I don't know how. What was the phrase you used? You don't stop often to to smell the flowers. I, well, I I challenge you to have not taken a step back when you were stood next to the F one car looking at your own logo on the uh, on the car you must have taken a moment then yes and it's actually going to be at silverstone um, I'll, I'll be in i'll be in uk as well um, next weekend for silverstone so we might have to we might have to try and catch up mate yeah yeah we will we definitely will um i plug my snetterton race i'm in snetterton next weekend racing the little uh, mean tangerine uh, we've got jem hepworth joining us again for the uh, enduro car race um so we'll be there so not too far away at all we'll, we'll work something out so Let's go back to, to product. So out with the F1 team, going back to the track racer um, engineers and designers. When I was thinking about questions to ask here, one of the questions that, that came to me was, it must be quite difficult when you've launched a product, it's out to customers, you're getting the feedback, and it's just and it's selling, and you think, right, okay, well, now we need to, we need to design the next product. How do we make it better? How do we make it different? Because... Ultimately, a, a SimRig does fulfill a function, right? It, it has to be able to 
have a wheel and pedals connected to it. It has to be nice and comfortable for 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 long races if people are doing long races and it needs to be nice and sturdy and you want screens. So there's 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 kind of a big tick list, I assume, of things that it needs to be able to do. But other than that, how do you go about being innovative with a product like this? I think it's kind of um, intuitive for me. Uh, so, uh, well, I'll, I'll work out where the gaps are. So, you know, right now I've identified that there's gaps in the entry level. There's only a couple of, um, there's only two good plays in that in that area. So uh, we will be going more of a, a top down. Um, that's where we'll move to next. Uh, but usually after um, after launching a product, uh, we'll yeah, of course we'll we'll gather the feedback, see where where we can improve it. Um, for example, with our aluminium extrusion range, we just launched. TR1, which is uh, a clever system where you can buy the base kit and then for a smaller cost, when you change wheels, et cetera, uh, you don't need to buy a whole new mount. You can just spend, you know, 30 bucks or whatever to to get that that extra part. Um, that that has like a two, that, that sort of works in a two-prong um, way, whereas uh, we are reducing uh, inventory capital uh, because we don't have to hold whole, whole mounts anymore. One for uh, you know Fanatec, Simucube, um, uh, Logitech, etc. Uh, but also, it's it's great for the customer because um, they you know they don't have to spend a uh, hundred dollars to get a whole new mount when they only need a small part. Uh, they do hate getting uh, multiple boxes, um, but unfortunately, it's the na- nature of the beast. Um, so once we launch, I you know I'll usually look at okay, how can we improve it further, and what accessories can we add on. So it's it's pretty much the process. Well, I mean, it, it yeah makes total sense. And with the uh, the wheels and the pedals, etc., obviously they form a huge part of the the overall experience um, which you're selling. How closely do you get to work with those providers? Is it is it a case of you buy yourself a, a whole the SimuCube range and the Fanatec range, and then you make sure it all fits and you kind of you spec it out, or or, or is there a bit of collaboration there between the brands? Uh, we are one of uh, SimuCube's top. Um, global resellers. Um, so we we warehouse SimiCube, uh, the SimiCube range, um, aka Granite, in five of our warehouses globally. Uh, so um, so yeah, they've been they've been an amazing support, and uh, we're we're also starting to uh, work with a lot of other brands um, to to make uh, the tra- all track racer websites a one stop shop. Um, traditionally, we've we've only uh, supplied our own. Um, products. However, uh, we believe that with um, our our strength in the market, we can we can get some good discounts and and pass those on to customers. Normally, um, the hard part about uh, all these new companies popping up. So you know, you've got um, now Moza, and you've got um, you know all these like V and M shifters and and Mecha pedals. The hardest part for us is just making sure we have to then go and if you can imagine, we we've got to then go and update all our plates. Um, mm. Unfortunately, they don't often keep a standard hole configuration. And then do those uh, those pesky Brits yeah. then jump on the forums and and blame track <laughs> racer for it, right? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, probably not just the the pesky Brits, but um... <laughs> okay. So you must have done a huge amount of market research. You've spoken to your customers, as you said, you know, all the time on your Facebook group. Um, but I'm assuming that you've also done surveys, etc. What do you think a sim racer is prioritizing when they're choosing a sim rig? What's the thought process you think they go through? Like what's the what's the number one thing that's going to sway them to buy a particular rig over another? 
I like to think value. Um, so if you compare track racer product and price compared to our competition, you get a lot more. Everyone seems to look at uh, look at it in different ways and and from different countries. So the Brits and the the Aussies usually they'll um, they'll lean more towards the higher end product. They'll be, they'll think oh, I just want to buy once, whereas other markets might think oh, I'm not sure how um, how much I'm going to get into sim racing, so I'm going to go in the entry level. So look, price price is a, a, a very probably then a priority for most people. Uh, design accessories. Right. And each of these products, and this is something that I've kind of been thinking about more recently in my own kind of business journey, if you like, that every product has a story. So at some point, somebody came up with an idea for this product. And then once they had that idea, they then had to execute it. And to execute it, they had to go through a number of phases. And then as they were going through these phases, there would have been issues there would have been problems that they've had to overcome and there would have been you know little moments to uh, of success to celebrate right so every time a, a product comes out especially from a manufacturer i think i always think right there's a there's a whole team with a whole story probably going back months if not years behind this this little image that i can see on my screen now with a with a price attached to it so which which of your products of all the ones that you've launched would you say that you were most proud of it's a great question um, I would have to say the, uh, well, we haven't, well, we've, we've kind of launched it, uh, the Alpine racing TRX, um, the, the TR8 pro I was quite proud of because, um, we took the, uh, the TR8 and then added a lot more adjustment with the wheel mount. Uh, we, we strengthened up the pedal to take on, um, and this is going back to new products coming out and new, um, and new requirements. So for the, uh, the, for the TR8 pedal mount, we, you know, suddenly we have to support 200 kilograms of braking force. So we, we strengthened that up. Um, so I would say, uh, yeah, after the Alpine racing TRX, uh, that would have to be the, um, the TR8 pro. Otherwise, uh, the little, the, uh, the little FS3 wheel stand, which, uh, I was quite proud of because, uh, we, we, we invested a lot into, um, all the tooling of that and most people don't even know about it. Uh, so our, my objective was to get the weight under 20 kilograms, uh, so it could go into the post. Um, but, but meanwhile, uh, making it more stable than other wheel stands on the market. Um, so, so that was, yeah, we, we put a bit of, um, a bit, a lot of thought into the engineering of that product. Um, unfortunately it's, uh, most people prefer a, a complete rig. Yeah, I love absolutely love little insights like that. When you see a product like a like a you know a desk stand or a free a free stand for a wheel or whatever, like most people never it's you know it's, it's, it would appear to be quite a basic product, but just that little insight there that you know we had to make it under twenty kilos because then we could put it in the post, which means we can save on shipping and we can pass that saving onto the onto the customer. That I love I love that sort of thing, and I think it's one of the things that goes kind of underappreciated by the keyboard warriors who were like oh god it should be more rigid it's like oh we tried to make it more rigid but then it'll be more expensive for everyone because of the post think about the post <laughs> <laughs> exactly um but then they all want free shipping so right yeah okay so shipping uh, is not their business <laughs> <laughs> um but but also with the uh, I, I mentioned before the tr1 um wheel mounting system that you know uh, that i was i was quite proud of that uh, with our engineers um that addressed the issue of, um, well, as I said, our, our investment in um, uh, inventory, 
Uh, it also brought in like aluminium profiles so people can add on um, dash mounts and so on directly to the profile. And it's also rigid. It doesn't, we had some issues earlier on with um, one of our mounts, which uh, Will from Boosted Media pointed out. Uh, we've, we now uh, do not have that mount, um, but it was replaced by one of these TR1 mounts, which uh, do not move at all. You can, you know, we, we have a lot of customers using um, uh, Simicube Ultimate, which is a, I think, I think it's like 32 Newton meters. Uh, don't quote me on that. I don't have the information in front of me, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's rigid. It doesn't move at all. Um, and unfortunately, we're, we're kind of still, um, it's, it's hard to, um, to lose the stigma of, of the past when, when, when things go on online. Um, for example, our, uh, our aluminium profile in the beginning um, wasn't as, as thick as, as now. And now we, we have uh, thicker aluminium walls than most of the brands on the market. But we are, you know, some people still believe in a, you know, two-year-old post. Yeah. Well, it, do you know what's really interesting is, is the weight that you put behind um, opinions of people like Will from Boosted Media, right? He's, a, he's an influencer and has probably tried every product on the market by now. So obviously has a, a great deal of experience in testing. If, how much do you try to work with influencers when it comes to getting your product in front of customers? Because sim racers watch streamers. I, and, I, and I have to admit, I've, I've never been much into, say, CSGO or Rocket League. So I, I don't know if there's necessarily more sim racing streamers than there are in other esports. I expect it's, it's, it's at least the same. Um, but I do know that most people who sim race, because there's a huge amount of hardware required, as opposed to, say, you know, CSGO or Rocket League, where you just need a mouse and a keyboard, you need hardware. I know that sim racers, I think, disproportionately head to YouTube to find a streamer they like or a reviewer they like to choose their their product. What's your what's your approach with that? Well, look there. <laughs> the uh, I I thought I I talked I talked to Will. He's a great guy. Um, I love his channel. Um, you know, I, I felt uh, his his review um, a year and a half ago of our TR160, which has now been upgraded a lot, um, was was quite harsh. But that pushed us to improve a product. Um, so I thank him for that. He's, uh, you know, uh, I would say all of the um, influencers that we work with have a lot of integrity and they're honest. Um, we don't, we don't want to work with um, someone that just says, pay me, you know, pay me and I'll give you a good review um, if they, if those guys exist. I know in, in Europe, it's not, it's not allowed. Um, so no, Will, Will's been, Will's been a great support. Um, you know, he's, he's very, he's, he's very cr- critical, but um, he's, he's done extremely well. You know, I think he's got 200,000, um, subscribers now. Um, and it's in such a small space of time. Uh, another one is, um, Barry at Sim Racing Garage. Um, he, he did a review years ago of our TR8. Um, people watch these things. They trust these guys. So they are an important part of our business. And do they, um, do they have a place in your, in your strategy? Is it, is it something that you kind of, you plan for, or is it, one of those things that happens if it happens, if the opportunity comes along? Uh, well, I know with uh, when I approached uh, Will at Boosted Media um, to review one of our rigs, he said, I'll take the TR120 um, because uh, that was another innovation from us. Um, traditionally, and I'm sure the market will follow as they do, uh, it, traditionally, um, aluminium extrusion rigs just consisted of one um, one length of profile. We put it. We we made it a little bit more interesting and fun by putting a curve in there. Uh, Will was happy to uh, review it because it's different. It's not just 
cutting aluminium and, and visiting a CNC shop. So it's, you know, guys like this, um, it's, it's, it's a good way to get your product out there and, and for customers to see it intimately without, you know, visiting at one of our offices or, or buying it. Yeah, I was about to say, it's definitely more intimate, isn't it, than, you know, scrolling through the internet and getting adverts kind of pushed towards you because nine times out of 10, people are going to, are going to do their own research. So they're seeking this information out. And then when they find somebody, the very fact that you found them yourself lends them a little bit more credibility, I think, subconsciously. So when you when you listen to these these reviews, I do think people take them on board and and have a little bit more trust than say a you know the track racer YouTube video of the release, for example. Is you know they, they, they're gonna they're gonna go to the the reviewers first. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, it's, they can be also you know we spoke about it before. Um, it, it can be really harsh to see something negative said about your product, but I take that on board and, um, and, and, and that's what led us. Uh, he, he didn't on a year and a half ago, he, he gave the review of our TR160. He, um, he mentioned issues with the wheel mount. We've, we've now replaced that wheel mount with TR1. Um, he was one of the, uh, one of the driving forces that, that, you know, pushed me to redesign that whole system. Um, the, the pedal mount. So we, we've strengthened up the pedal mount. We've, we've actually created a whole new pedal mount, uh, which, which, uh, is, is more rigid than anything out there in the market. So, um, it's, yeah, I, I, I take it on board, but it originally yeah, it hurts. I completely agree. Reviews are like, are like food, right? So we have a, on our, it's called notion. It's essentially like a little management platform that we have for, for grid finders, four or five of us working at grid finder now. And, one of the pages is essentially like our roadmap. So what we what we want to build next. So which features we want to build, which pages we want to work on, what little tweaks we want to make. I would say that 95% of the items on those lists have come from people who have either DM'd me on Facebook, Instagram, or are in our Discord community. And they talk about it. And sometimes they don't even tell me, but I'll see them chatting about it. I go, oh, that's a really good idea. I'm going to just write that down over here. And then, and essentially it's your customers that then build your build your brand in in a in a sense well in a big sense um they're the ambassadors they're um well yeah they're the ones that are, are paying the the money that goes into our r&d um to give better products to these guys it's <laughs> yeah it's essential uh, right? yes so the circle of life <laughs> i won't start singing okay so what's coming up we've got the sim racing expo at the end of the year what what are you guys working on uh, we, we are, um, we're planning, uh, a lot of product launches there. Um, we're moving into, uh, electronic hardware as opposed to just the frames and the seats. Uh, we, we already have proto working prototypes. Um, so we steering wheels and, uh, pedals and handbrakes and shifters and, and even, uh, motion and direct drive. So these are all, uh, things that we may or may not move ahead with. Um, but. At the end of the day, the uh, the consumer wins. They, you know, we we will, um, in our usual fashion, um, disrupt the industry with uh, you know better features and and better pricing. So um, we we hope to show a bit of that. Um, we will hopefully do some collaboration with Alpine F one um, on 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 our trade show uh, booth there. Uh, it is quite a large booth, so there's going to be plenty of surprises. Um, I'll be there, uh, and uh, the TRX will also be there. Um, as well as uh, yeah, a few a few of our the legends at Track Racer. That's, I mean, that's incredibly exciting, and I think probably quite big news to to a lot of people. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because 
there are some very established brands in those spaces. So you know, Fanatec, Simicube, Thrustmaster, Logitech, they've been around for a long time. They have the market. However, it's interesting that, you know, launching these electronics post-COVID, there are a number of kind of, um, if you like, late mover advantages, I suppose. You must have learned a lot of lessons from previous products and feedbacks about, feedback about those products and then the feedback that you'll have had from your own customers about products they'd like to see, right? Yeah, well, one thing, because um, we've we've been working on, um, you know, I think <laughs> we were at the uh, Sim Expo in 2019 and um, we had Handbrake and, and Shifter um, prototypes there. Uh, unfortunately, it's gone a lot slower than expected, but we've improved the product a lot, the feeling, the sound. Um, but we've also developed, we're also developing um, our own uh, software interface. I don't want to use uh, other brands like Z1 and, and, and SimHub. Uh, I, I want to use um, a, a track racer uh, proprietary software. Right, which is no small task, right? No, it's not. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. It's um, it's different, and it's it's um, it's not going in half assed So how how do you approach it differently then? Because it sounds to me like you've you've had a a, a rich history in producing hardware and, and manufacturing, right? This approach um software do it making your own software is that new to you is that is that something that you've had to kind of learn as you go and, and how have you approached it differently well definitely it's 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 learn as you go um but just just looking at uh you know testing the brands that are out there and and what features people like what they don't like what's wrong with them um and 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 applying that into into our requirements um it's the same principles right yeah, it's it's completely expandable. Yeah, it is. It's the same principles. Um, certainly, um, a lot easier to move a, a shifter as opposed to um, a seat, which I'm excited about. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Well, yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm going to be at the Sim Racing Expo as well. We've our uh, Sim Racing team uh, will be racing uh, there on the stage, which they're all incredibly excited about. Um, and yeah, I think this year is going to be big in terms of launches of, of products and the size of the hall. It looks absolutely massive. I think it's going to be a huge step up from last year, which I, I still enjoyed. But I think this year is going to be is going to be something else. Um, okay, my final question, because I see we've, we've been going for a little while now. Um, if you can look ahead at the sim racing world in five years time, what do you think the biggest difference is going to be between then and now? I think we definitely need to throw in a bit of metaverse there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully more options, um, not just options with hardware, but, uh, you know, more games. So we had the, uh, you know, the Ren Sport launch the other week. Um, uh, more more leagues. Um, in comes Gridfinder. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks for um, the plug. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, more, more cash, uh, you know, more winnings. Um, you know, people are uh, for for a while now have been taking. Well, non sim races are are starting to take it a little bit more seriously, as opposed to you know just branding branding it as uh, it's just a game. Uh, so you know, more serious, more serious drivers, um, less hacks. Uh, you know, one thing that I hate is um, you know guys <laughs> that are losing and run you off the track. Um, so yeah, uh, hopefully there's some way. Hopefully people change their mindset um or i i'm not sure it's 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 only going to get better um in terms of size like 
I think it, it you know, it could be 10 times bigger than now, or it could be, you know, a hundred times bigger. Um, it, we're in a, an interesting, uh, it's an interesting economy at the moment um, with most of the world uh, going into, you know, recession and high inflation. Um, so it, it may stall for a little bit, but um, yeah, certainly, you know, there's still, there's still a lot of demand there and a lot of people are coming on board. So more, the more races, the better, the more, uh, hardware out there, the better, the more options. Um, it's it's all going to make the thing better. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And I'm incredibly excited and feel very fortunate to be, well, in the right place at the right time. But you're right, there might be a little bit of a dip, but we can ignore that. Matt, thank you very much for <laughs> um, giving up your time. I know you've got a really busy schedule at the moment and you've managed to grab this hour. So I really, really appreciate it. So thanks for coming on uh, Sim, Sunday, Sim Sundays and uh, I'll see you soon. Thanks a lot for your time, Tom. All the, be- all the best for GridFinder, and I'll see you in uh, Silverstone next weekend. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Thank you. Cool. Cheers. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Chris from GridFinder. Thanks for listening to the Sim Sundays podcast. If you'd like to watch the race, head on over to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash gridfindertv. And while you're at it, head on over to gridfinder.com to find your spot on the grid and join Sim Racing Leagues for all your favorite games. Just enter your preferred game, car of choice, then let us know if you'd like to race PC, Xbox, or PlayStation, and we'll give you a list of actively recruiting leagues for you to join. And if you're a league owner, post your league on GridFinder so that you run with a full grid for every race. If you'd like to participate in the races featured in each episode of the Sim Sundays podcast, join our Discord server by going to gridfinder.com discord. We host a new car and track combo every Sunday at 8 p.m. UK time and stream it live to our YouTube channel. Thanks for being here.